I've told part of this story, you know, when we started this church almost 21 years ago, it was five young couples. We didn't know what we were doing, but we loved Jesus. See, because Jesus had made an impact in our life when we stepped in and joined him. And the Holy Spirit just started doing things on our hearts. And we sat in downtown Oceanside. I'm, I'm multiple generations from Oceanside, from this region. And there I sat in downtown Oceanside, the place that my grandfather had graduated from high school. And my parents had graduated from high school. And my wife and I had graduated from high school. And God got a hold of my heart. And he put me in this place with other people. And we were sitting in downtown Oceanside. And this is the question that we had for each other. You've heard me say this if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks. I I looked across the table at a good friend of mine and I said to him, our friends are dying. He looked at me and he, he, he acknowledged and he said, our, yes, Pat, our friends are dying. We were 27 years old. I had uh, two at that time of my seven daughters. So God really moved after that, you can tell. And we looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? And we said, our friends are dying. We got to go get them. And you sit today in what manifested the byproduct of us leaving Oceanside and coming to San Marcos and going to Cal State San Marcos and living life in the city and, um, and dragging guitar amps out into a cul-de-sac. And we were ragtag and people were like, what are you doing? And we're like, we just love Jesus. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus. Have you heard of this guy, Jesus? They're like, you guys are so bold. Something has to be true. And what people began to realize, and what I didn't know then that I can articulate now, what people didn't realize is we were passionate. We had a passionate approach because we sat and we had determined our friends are dying. We got to go get them. And we were passionate about making Jesus the center of our life and making people our aim. And we were going to go get them. You're driving down the road, there's an emergency, a car is combusting and you see a family in the car. Do you keep driving? No, you stop. Why? Because you're passionate about humanity and you say, I've got to stop. They're going to die. I got to go get them and you're going to step in and you're passionately going to pull them out of the car. This is how we felt. At 49 years old, this is how I feel today. People say, Pat, you're intense. I said, no, I'm passionate. Because I was in a burning car. And there was a moment that someone stepped into my life and they pulled me from the car and said, let me introduce you to this guy, Jesus. They made me their aim. And I am thankful for that. And it was messy. Lots of heartbreak over the last 21 years. But we are here and this is what we're doing. We are going to be passionate about going after people and about making Jesus the center of our lives. Amen? So today, passion is our approach. We're going to make Jesus our center, people our aim, and we're going to make passion our approach. Passion involves people. Passion requires persistence, and passion produces progress. I'm going to read this scripture in Acts 2. This is the beginning of the church. Jesus has died. Let me set this up. Jesus has died. 
He gave specific instructions to his followers at the time. This would equal 120. Uh, I, I love numbers, and so this happens to be the number. About 120 people, 120 followers were sitting in this upper room. They were waiting for this gift that Jesus had said. Jesus said, when I leave, when I go and take my place with the Father, and he ascends to heaven, he gave him this instruction. I want you to go and wait for this thing that I've given to you. It's a gift. It's an advocate. It's a helper. It's going to be your counselor. This thing is going to give you more than anything I could ever give you today, standing with you. And this is where we start. It says in Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they, what does the word they imply? More than me. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Did you know that your faith has more to do with you than you. You, you. You've been invited into a more than me faith. But we make faith about me. This is a they faith. Not a, not, not a my faith, an I faith, or a me faith. It's a we faith. It says they were all with one accord in one place. They, 120 followers. What ends up happening, I'm going to just kind of summarize the story for sake of time. What ends up happening is the Holy Spirit, this gift that Jesus had promised, the Holy Spirit shows up. Things get weird. Seeming like tongues of fire come down and rest on the people. They all, they all get completely, I'm going to use this word, they just get completely wrecked. By the Holy Spirit, they start speaking in other tongues. Whoa, things get weird. People are like, they're drunk. And Peter's like, we're, these people aren't drunk. It's too early in the morning. It's what he says. He says, it's too early in the morning. They're not drunk. And how can you account for the fact that as the Holy Spirit came and people started speaking in other tongues, all of the people that had came to celebrate Pentecost that spoke different languages heard their own language is being spoken. This is some supernatural stuff. And I want you to know, the natural church people, we need a supernatural move of God. Unless you're cool with just sitting back and hearing me drone on about words that are written in an ancient book, Family, we need the supernatural power and move of the Holy Spirit today more than ever. And we are going to call heaven down on earth. And you fast forward, Peter ends up preaching the first sermon of the church in Acts 2. And you get to verse 40. And with many other words, he testified, Peter testified and exhorted them. Who's them? Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. He's, he's preaching the gospel. He's preaching the good news that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone is your savior. He exhorted them. He made people his aim. He did it by saying this, be saved from this perverse generation. What was he saying? You need to make Jesus your center. Peter made people his aim, and he told them, make Jesus the center of your life. 
Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Here's what I want you to know. Those who gladly received his word. Some people are going to hear this message, and they're not going to gladly receive it. That's not up to you and me. Don't get your feelings hurt. Well, you know, they kind of looked at me weird. I don't really, who cares? You know, when I'm passionate about something, when I love something, I do not care if you love it. I don't, care, I don't care what you think about my wife. She is the most amazing woman on earth. I don't care what you think about acai bowls from Lofty Coffee. I'm telling you right now, they're the best acai bowls you can get. Period. I don't care if you love them. I don't care if you love some other weak-handed acai bowl from some fakeness around the corner. I'm telling you right now, they're the best. Okay? Some people are going to receive that gladly, and I don't care if you receive it gladly. Do you see how this passion works? Okay, amen. When you taste it, you're going to be hitting me on like Instagram or something and being like, bro, you were right. Uh-huh. Tag me in your post. I'm right. Way better than Better Buzz. Thank you. Just don't even put the, you, I can't even have that in my mouth. I can't even. Acai bowl, lofty coffee. Okay. And they, and they, here's another they, they, how many now? There was 120, now 3,000, now how many? They, how many? 3,000, 120, gosh, mathematicians. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together. They were together. They were together. Why am I so lonely? They were together. And had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, here's my question What does passion involve? Number one, passion involves people. And this is hard for some people, so we have to talk about this. Let me define passion for you really quickly. I've defined this before in, in sermons, but I'm going to redefine this because it's important for us to understand. Passion, we think, is like this great emotional thing that we feel. It's like, <gasps> passion, like your heart races for that other person, you know, that, that special person. Or, or you're like, I'm really passionate. So we think, emo but let me, let me define what passion is. Passion, this word, when we read when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they... All these people were with one accord. That word one accord really means they were passionate. Here's what this word means, broken down. Fierce togetherness. They were with one accord. There was a fierce togetherness. Nothing you were going to do was going to dismantle and, and disrupt and get them to divorce the relationship that they were in together. There was a fierce togetherness. There was a dissatisfaction of being without one another. They were passionate. This is what we were when we started this church close to 21 years ago. We were passionate. 
It was messy. We made mistakes, but we were passionate. Nothing was going to break us up. Fierce togetherness, mutually, let me, let me define this a little bit, a mutually submitted and aligned passion to see one thing transpire. That's what we were. That's what this group of people in the beginning of the church were. They want to see one thing transpire. What's that one thing? That is a Jesus-centered, people are our aim thing rather than a personal thing. Too often we're like, yes, Jesus, Jesus is the center. Now we're like, now I'm your all aim, Jesus, I'm your aim. Jukebox Jesus, play my tune. Give me that pay raise. Give me the winning lotto numbers. Bring me that spouse. Help me with. And he's like, what about the people around you that are suffering and dealing with stuff? I may ask you to give before you get. Passion is a community thing rather than an individual thing. And in our society, passion is all about me, right? Like, I am passionate. What is my passion? If I can find my passion, I can find out what my purpose is. I'm telling you, your purpose is to glorify God. And one of the best ways you can glorify God, you can make Jesus the center of your life, people you're aiming. You can get passionate and a fierce togetherness in a community of followers of Jesus. Passion involves people. They are one, one accord, all together. It, it, it's, it's, so let me give you a kind of a metaphorical, like a, a, a kind of a nice uh, picture, and I'm going to use sound. This word, one accord, passion, fierce togetherness, this idea, it, it also means uh, the fierce togetherness that releases a harmonious sound. Man, you can't sing the harmonies. By yourself. You need people around you. You need other voices in your community that if you're singing the melody, they're singing, they're singing the third and the fifth, or they're singing the one and the five, or the three and the one. If you know music, you know what I'm saying. And my point is, for you to release a harmonious sound, a passionate, fierce-together sound in your life, you're going to have to involve people. It says, don't forsake the gathering of the people. Assembly. That would require people getting together. Even when it's messy. Even when it's met, if I, I could stand here for hours, literally hours, and I could tell you about the incredible, destructive, wild messes that I've seen in my life, in our church existence in the last 21 years. True. I could tell you, you know, I, it, if you think you have church hurt, I have church hurt. I want to divorce this word, church hurt. I was hurt by people. Why? Because people are messy. That has nothing to do with Jesus Christ and his church, except for the fact that passion involves people 
And we got to learn to have that grace with one another. We got to learn to have those conversations with one another. Let us think of ways, Hebrews 10, 4, to motivate one another to, to acts of love and in good works. You know what that means? It means that on your own, you're not motivated toward acts of love and good works. So we need each other to do that. If left on our own, we're going to just be me, my, you know, I, it's all about me. <laughs> and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Life is messy. We all need the motivation of a fierce togetherness. Let me tell you something. We all, none of us are exempt from this. You're like, I don't even know God. I don't even believe in Jesus. I've never even given my life to Jesus. And you know what I can still tell you? You need the motivation of a fierce togetherness in your life. That's why we seek tribes. That's why we hang out in bars and we drink with people that give us a false sense of, of security and community. That's why we gather around things that we hate, but we never experience the love from people that we want to see. The chief way to stay passionate is to be involved with people who are mutually submitted to keeping Jesus at the center and making people the aim. <laughs> that is the chief way to stay passionate. Be involved with people that are mutually submitted to this. What does passion involving people require? What does it require? Number two, passion requires persistence. It says, and they, all 3,120, continued steadfastly. This word steadfastly is to give constant attention to a thing, persistent, to give constant attention to a thing. We are such a distracted society, man. We give about two seconds to something. If it doesn't fulfill us, we literally just click off of it. If you study the algorithms of social media, you realize very quickly that if you're not, if you don't have my attention within like milliseconds, I'm just going to swipe but that's not even like the biblical approach that God has for his people. You are lucky that God didn't keep swiping on your life. I am lucky that God didn't keep swiping on my life because there was nothing to grab his attention. The mess that I had gotten myself in was not attention worthy. <laughs> and thank God, God was like, I'm, I'm going to break the algorithm. He like just stayed right there and he's like, I am persistent with Pat. I'm just going to keep looking at it. I'm going to keep looking at that post. I'm going to keep looking at that selfie because we're good at selfie. I'm going to keep looking at that selfie. I'm going to keep looking at all those plates of food that he keeps posting. I'm going to keep looking at that acai bowl. Man, he, 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 he's praising, worshiping, and honoring things like acai bowls more than he even praises and worships and honors me. And I'm the one who created him, gave him purpose, and I'm the one who's going to fulfill his entire life. If he would just understand, if he would join my son in this intimate relationship, everything would change in his life. And don't you know? But God. In verse 46, so it says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. Verse 46, so continuing daily, continuing doing this thing that they were doing, which was what? Steadfastness, paying attention, constant attention to this one thing. See, passion is persistence. Passion comes from an exercise of persistence rather than from emotions. 
I want to tell you, like the biggest lie that I ever heard and that I even began to say to my children was, you know, you just got to find out what you're passionate about. False. You know what you're going to be passionate about in life? What you're good at. You're not going to be passionate about something you suck at. You're just getting, you're, 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 <laughs> you're getting downtown Oceanside Pat today. Okay. When you're horrible at something, you're not going to be passionate about it for very long. You're passionate about what you're good at. You're only good at what you're persistent at. Like, I'm not passionate about people. That's because you give up too quick. That's why the divorce rate's so high. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to give up my, I've given up. I've just given up on humanity. You hear people say this? I've just given up on humanity. Well, you know what? God hasn't, so we haven't. I'm not going to kick humanity in the teeth. If God thought highly enough of humanity to send his son Jesus Christ to hold space for it, then I need to adjust my paradigm and I need to get persistent about knocking on the door of the people around me and saying, hey, have you met my friend Jesus? <laughs> Jesus refused to do any other thing but show up and suffer by dying on the cross. You know what the word, this word passion, part of, part of this word means willing to suffer. Passion is a choice. Willingness to suffer. I don't feel like suffering. I'm getting ready to race in four weeks. I'm going to race the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George, Utah. Thank you. I'm not saying that for a clap. I may die. I don't know. I'm going to tell you something. I am going to suffer in this race. You have to understand something, but I'm passionate. Why? Because I'm willing to put myself on the line to prove to myself that I have what it takes today to get over what life's going to present to me tomorrow. I'm passionate. There's, and that passion gives me a willingness to suffer. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to I'm going to swim 1.2 miles. I'm going to kill myself riding 56 miles. And I'm going to run like mad and run a half a marathon when I'm done. At altitude, in the heat, I guarantee you, I'm probably going to, you're going to throw up. Or they're going to take me dead off the course. But I'm not quitting. Are, do, 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 like People are like, is this you all the time? Yeah. People that know me are like, dude, this guy is like off the chain. Imagine, imagine if I drank coffee. I'll stick with the acai bowl. Jesus is still passionately persistent in his invitation today for humanity to join him. That's what persistence is. Like, I, I, I'm not going to quit. I may have to walk on that stupid run course. I may have to crawl. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to have a family at that finish line. You're going to have a family calling you to your purpose and your finish. And you're going to do what it takes. You're going to be persistent. And you're going to be persistent with the people around you. Listen to what it says in Revelations. I love this. It says in Revelations 3.20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. 
If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Jesus' persistent passion presses into the messes so he can reach the masses. Jesus' persistent passion. This is, this, this, this is Jesus. Are you irritated yet? Okay. Are you ready for move on yet? Oh. See, Jesus doesn't care if you're ready for him to move on. You know why? Because he stands at the door and he knocks. He's that irritating salesperson that's at the door and he's just like, he's like this. You're like, oh, two knocks, it's the Amazon guy. I heard the truck drive away. Can you imagine this noise for eternity? That's Jesus on every single heart of every single human that ever was, ever is, and ever will be because he is always passionately persistent about pursuing you so that you can step into a relationship with him. And I'm like, can you just go answer that door so that person will quit knocking on my door? This is my personal space, man. Persistence is the discipline of showing up with a high level of frequency regardless of how you feel. Yeah, I just, you know, today I think is the day for self-care. We call into our boss. We're like, you know, I'm just feeling like today is just like a self-care day. I just feel like I need to like, I need to go out into a field and just take my shoes off and lay down. Just look at the, look at the sky. I need some vitamin D time. I just, I don't know what it is. And you know, wife, I can't show up for you right now. Kids, widow, neighbor because I need me time. Jesus has never quit knocking and neither will we. We will be passionately persistent in knocking on the doors of the hearts of people that we see in the grocery store that we work with, that we're on the phone with when we're trying to get our AT&T bill worked out. Did you ever stop to think that your bill is screwed up because God had an appointment that he wanted you to meet with the person on the other end of the phone? But I just need some me time because my phone bill is screwed up. What in your life is worth being passionately persistent about? What? Because I'm going to tell you something. 
bunch of young guys almost 21 years ago were so passionately persistent about Jesus and people that we walked away from everything. I literally walked away from a career. I walked away from all the money. I walked away from all the accolades. I walked away from all the self-glorification. I walked away from all the self-centeredness. I walked away from everything that I had built up in my own brain that I needed to be growing up a broke kid in Oceanside, California because I was going to prove the world wrong. I walked away from it all for one thing. because I knew this changed my life. Today, as I stand here with you, I want you to know my heart can't bear looking at you knowing that you don't have this in your life. It changes everything. And we're going to be persistent. What does persistent passion involving people produce? It produces progress. In Acts 2.47, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Jesus-centered, people-aimed passion produced progress for the church. People were being added daily. But what I love about this is when we make Jesus the center, people are aiming to make passion our approach. We should expect to see those who are being saved added daily. We should expect it. What is the power source of our passion? What was the power source of our passion? You know, it wasn't emotionalism. I want you to know this. It wasn't emotionalism. See, passion doesn't have to scream. Passion doesn't have to coerce. You just have to look me in the eye for longer than a split second, and you realize that I am as serious as ever about what it is that I'm telling you, that I believe it that I walked in it, that I walk in it, and I will continue to walk in it. And if you ask me what the antidote to society's problem is, I'm going to say, Jesus. And people are dying, and we're going to go get them. As I mentioned in Acts 2, you know, these 120 gather, and it says, and they're waiting, they... We're all in one accord of fierce togetherness. We're waiting for the Holy Spirit, this gift. And this is what it says. It says that suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Holy Spirit, would you fill this house like you did in that day? Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. An individual experience for a community purpose. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. God gives us passion through the Holy Spirit and he adds those who are being saved. See, you and I, with a fierce togetherness, we rely on the Holy Spirit as our power, our advocate, our teacher, our wisdom and peace, and the one who adds those who are being saved daily. If somebody says to you, hey, you're, you're, you're a Christian. What does your life 
What does that mean? What is your life about? I want you to clearly understand what we just walked through in the last three weeks is I just gave you your personal mission statement. When somebody says, what, what is your life about? You're going to say, Jesus, people, and you're going to say, passion. And they say, what does that mean? And you're going to say, Jesus is the center of my life. And because of that, people are my aim. And I'm going to approach it with passion. And to be clear, that is your personal mission. You take that wherever you go in life. But I want you to know that is the mission, the clear, defined mission of Movement Church in San Marcos. That we would make Jesus our center. We would make people our aim. And we would make passion our approach. Would you say it with me? That we would make Jesus our center. We would make people our aim. And we would make passion our approach. This is your mission as a follower. This is our mission as a family. And I also want to take it a step further. You know, we've been working over the last year and a half, really clarifying some things. We've had a rough three years. I'm so proud of our team. I'm so proud of you, family. Good job. But, but we wanted a clear visual representation of words. So Jake, can you throw our new logo up on the screen? This is our new logo. Now, if you notice, I'm wearing the shirt. What does the back of my shirt say? Okay. So everyone standing behind you is going to get it in the grocery store. This is what I love about this logo. The name of the church rests, sits, lives, breathes, and takes a secondary position to the space, that bar that Jesus Christ holds. That every single time you look at this logo, this is what I want you to see. There's that space that Pat told me to tape a box when I get out of bed. Thank you, Audrey, for sending me the photo. You did it. Audrey's like, look, Pat, she taped a box. Every single time you see this, this is what you're going to see. Oh, there's an opportunity for me to step in and make Jesus the center. Oh, there's an opportunity for me to make people our aim. Oh, there's an opportunity for me to get more people in the box. There's an opportunity for me to be passionate about the people that I want to flip off on the freeway. There is an opportunity for me to be passionate about Jesus in my neighborhood, in my city, in my school, in my business. This is an opportunity for me to make people my aim because God loved them and Jesus loved them and I'm going to go love them. Church family, we are going to go love better than we've ever loved. We are going to make Jesus the center of our life more than we ever have. And I promise you, I promise you, we will see heaven invade earth like Jesus told us to pray. Would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Would you stand with me this morning? Next week, I want you to know something. God is doing something super, super, super cool in our church. And we have been praying for years. And, and, and there's, some, there's some practical things that you're going to get an invitation to step into. This whole facility, we're, we're dealing with some transformation and stuff, and you're going to have an opportunity to step into that. But 
what we have to be sure of, we have to be sure that we stay aligned to the mission. You know how easy it is to get, get distracted? So easy. So you're going to want to come next week. We're going to have a ton of fun, but I'm also going to begin to talk about some key values. And values help us stay aligned to the mission. They help, they're just guides. And we're going to start next week, and I'm going to talk about how we're going to utilize these values to stay aligned to the mission. But right now, family, the mission of your life is what? Jesus is the center. People are your aim. And passion is your approach. Let me say that again. Jesus Passion is our approach. Say it again. Jesus is our center. People are our aim. And passion is our approach. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. This is really how simple this is. Let's pray. Lord, you have called this people to something specific. That some of you where you sit today, literally the, uh, the places that you work, the places that you lay your head, the communities that you're in, the different friend groups, God has put you in these places for a specific reason. And it's for you to bring the knowledge of Jesus Christ into the middle of those things. God, I'm going to pray right now for an overwhelming passion that only your Holy Spirit can give to keep you at the center of our lives, to keep people our aim, and that we would never, ever, ever mistake the power of doing this, showing up on a Sunday, showing up with other people, showing up to a how to study the Bible class, showing up in community, Because this is where you want to motivate us toward our mission. And so God, give us a passion to continue to show up, regardless of how we feel. I've been tired multiple times in the last 21 years. But you know, a sign of maturity is when you get up and you show up. So God, let us get up and show up. Let us show up for one another. Let us show up for our cities and our communities. Let us show up as we make Jesus the center, people our aim, and passion our approach. If you, walking out of here, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you this morning to know that you have an opportunity to join Jesus as a follower of his. But it's not a secret society. It involves people. So if you'd like to give your life to Jesus this morning, I'm not going to do the classic pastor thing where I say, everyone close their eyes, raise your hand, and I send you away in the quiet. I'm going to ask that before you walk out of this room, you walk up to one of our ministry team uh, members that are going to be up here in the front. Let them pray for you. Tell them, I'm making a decision this morning. Jesus needs to be the center of my life. Jump in to a fierce togetherness in a community of people. But don't leave this place. If you need prayer for any other thing, our ministry team is always available. 
you are not going to want to miss next week. We're going to have a ton of fun. And we're going to talk about how to stay aligned to this mission in your life and in my life to make Jesus the center of people our aim and passion our approach. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. We'll see you next Sunday.